Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today, we're going to get down with biohacking and specifically about blood sugar because there's so much that's come out about how having high levels of blood sugar, even just temporarily after a meal, does bad things for your biology. And But I don't know about you guys, but on very rare occasions, I do have something that has sugar in it. And I regularly have carbs, but I do my best to not let them spike my blood sugar. I wanted you to learn about what works and what you can do uh, to keep your blood sugar under control and still eat some carbs. Because let's face it, most people do that. And unending keto for most people is a disaster, yet occasional keto is good for you. So how do you walk the line down the middle? That's what this episode's about. And I've invited Wade Lightheart and Matt Gallant back. And you've probably remember them from a previous episode as kind of the We Fix Digestion guys. And these are friends who are always looking for new ways to keep digestion working and to keep your whole body working. And they're looking at how the systems in the body are connected, how the brain and body work together. In fact, they're working on a book about that even. So we've talked about psychobiotics, magnesium, enzymes, and I do use some of their products uh, quite regularly. So today, Wade and Matt are going to go in deep around blood sugar regulation with you guys, and we're going to talk about what works in the trenches with people. So Wade and Matt, welcome back to Bulletproof Radio. It's great to be here. Are we record holders? Is uh, where This is our what, fourth show. How, how, are we the top guys? You know, you've been on four times. Um, The other guy's been on four times is Andy Nilo from Alatura. Uh, And Andy's interesting. You know, I'm an early advisor for Andy. In fact, he launched his show on Bulletproof Radio. And he's the guy who just, I did this because it fixed my face after a terrible accident and I'm a model. And so I tend to invite people back who uh, just have a lot of a breadth of knowledge and are obsessive (laughs) about certain things. And you guys have been up to here to my house, to my studios, and I know how much time you spend on research. I know because I do similar things like that. Uh, so you share knowledge that is actionable and useful. And what I like about what you say is that look, people can choose to use uh, your products, uh, which is awesome. But you're sharing a ton of information with no, you know, no, no purchase required. You're just like putting good stuff out in the world. So it's the knowledge today that I want to share. And I'll make it really clear. Um, you guys do have a product that solves the problem you're describing today, and that's good. Uh, but people don't have to buy the product in order to to benefit from the knowledge here. And that's also important because this show, the ROI for every episode, for every listener is, I got more back from the hour I spent with Dave and company than I put into it. And if if this episode or any other episode isn't like that, I would encourage you, if you're listening, to say, all right, next. <laughs> There's lots of stuff you can put in your brain. This is meant to be worth your time. So guys, thanks for coming back. It's great to be here. Always love talking to you. For people who haven't met you guys yet, Wade is a sports nutritionist, a three-time Canadian all-natural bodybuilding champion, including as a vegetarian. Man, that's kind of weird. We're all in the weird club, Dave, in case you haven't, <laughs> haven't figured that out. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, there's, there's that thing. I meant the Canadian part, not the vegetarian bodybuilder. I, I don't know. I, I say that because I'm up here in Canada too. And then Matt is a strength and conditioning coach with a degree in kinesiology and self-defense instructor. And both of you have done many, many biohacks uh, for, for years, which is really cool. Strength and conditioning and high-level athletics or bodybuilding, all of these are areas that 
I wanted to bring together for biohacking so that we could suddenly have a conversation about nervous systems and, and things that maybe wouldn't have been there in the, the olden days of bodybuilding. So I wanted the kind of expertise that you guys have to come together. And let's, uh, let's jump in and talk about blood sugar. And I'm going to push you guys on some of what I think you're going to say. Uh, but tell me, what does blood sugar do for us? Yeah, so blood sugar is obviously a key component of the digestive process, which is why we've been focusing on it so much. And really, we look at digestion as three phases, right? Consumption, consuming of good quality food, good quality carbs, proteins, and fats. Then converting that into usable components. But the thing we're going to really focus on today is the assimilation of glucose, which is either storing it optimally which is in the muscle tissue versus turning it into body fat and then converting it into energy more effectively, which translates to peak performance athletically, a higher calorie burn and, and things like that. So that's, that's where we're coming from on the glucose side. Wait, a lot of people don't understand. Most people think that the most anabolic hormone in the body is testosterone. But the reality is it's actually insulin, which is a response to blood sugar. And in my athletic career, we were using unusual ways of spiking blood sugar and a correlated insulin response to drive amino acids to increase anabolism. The problem with that was when you get off a bodybuilding diet and go try and go back to a regular diet, your body goes... It's totally haywire. You it, you literally gain. In my case, I gained forty two pounds of fat and water in eleven weeks after I went to the Mister Universe contest. Well, <clears throat> I went through a whole array. That's what started our the background of our company is to learn out. Well, geez, we've hit what's supposed to be the peak of aesthetic ideals <laughs> in this quote unquote bodybuilding diet, but it's obviously had some seriously negative health consequences because that wasn't baked into the cake, so to speak. So that's when we, I switched my dietary. We started doing a radical array of tests and I suspended my bodybuilding career four years before I even attempted to go back on a stage again because I realized that what I was doing was actually damaging my health. And I think so many athletes or people who are on the, the bleeding edge of things, whether that's high performance executives or whatever, will often take measures to compete at the level they need to compete at, but they have consequences. And I certainly don't discourage anybody from going to be the best that they can and at whatever that they're going to do. But I think it's important to how do we mitigate our, our bigger, higher, faster mentalities in a competitive world uh, and mitigating with health stuff. So today we're going to get into this blood sugar equation because I think it's a, it, it's a crisis in North America. I mean, it's one of the reasons uh, I think you got into the whole bulletproof diet and you start explaining it was to, to help people regulate the, it's the vast array of you know sugar response that they're getting in their bodies. And so I think we got some things today that your listeners are going to really enjoy and be able to put into practice. Well, I love it that you brought up the bodybuilding side of it because I read one of the first books on natural bodybuilding early in the 90s. And it said, oh, maybe you know carbs make you fat. And I lost 50 pounds of my 100 pounds in about three months. And I got to be a nicer person because I cut gluten out, which made me really <laughs> kind of act like a jerk. I was like, getting the opiate effect from it. Um, but the other 50 pounds 
took another 10 years <laughs> to come off. And that was why I wrote the Bulletproof Diet, because it isn't just a single variable. But blood sugar is a massive variable. It's one of the reasons I just invested in levels. Um, I'm one of the few investors and um, advisors of the company where I could do continuous glucose monitoring. Because way back in the 90s, the, the doctor says, oh, maybe you have high blood sugar. And maybe that's why you can't lose weight, even though you work out six days a week. And I came back maybe a month later and like all of my fingertips were all like kind of scarred up because I just said, I'm going to get my blood sugar 10 times a day uh, as if I was diabetic. And he's like, but you're not diabetic. Why would you ever do that? I said, because you told me I might have high blood sugar and I apparently don't. It's not high most of the time. That wasn't the issue for me. It, it was toxins and all. But when it comes to this, um, whey protein was a really big thing. And oh, I would use whey protein to raise glutathione in the liver. And I, for a while, Bulletproof made a really high quality whey protein. But what I found is people were saying, oh, I just had eight scoops a day. And I'm like, man, why don't you just like go eat a candy bar? Because whey, uh, uh, whey protein raises your insulin like no one's business, even though it's a protein. And that's why bodybuilders like it. But I, I'm like, no, that's why I switched to collagen because it didn't have those effects, even though it's not a complete protein is complete enough and it's heavier in the things that are lacking from what a lot of us eat. So that insulin-like growth factor, IGF-1, <laughs> it's it's funny, it's a growth factor that makes your your you makes you put on muscle like no one's business. Is there a role for healthy people who want to put on muscle to do say oh an intermittent fast and then uh, work out at the end of the fast and then have a soda? Like spike your blood sugar because you want to put muscle on. Maybe it's this 40 years of Zen that you're reading our minds, but I've just recently done some experiments on fasting and I know you have a new book out on fasting. I've been doing fasting experiments for 20 years. So I'm delighted that you've put that out. So I've been doing um, fasting tests to get an insulin response. Just so people are clear, I have probably one of the blood, best blood sugar insulin regulation systems now that there is. I'm, my, when I do a HOMO IR test, I'm at 0.4, you know, so I'm, I'm an anomaly in that way. I'm, I just manage sugar very well. However, I do lots of experiments with insulin and a recent one with in fasting is I do 36 hours of fasting followed by 12 hour eating window. 36 hours of fasting, 12 hours windows. And I do this three times, a, three times a day. And you mean three times a week or three, excuse me, three times a week. Yeah, exactly. And so, and then two days off. And so I did an experiment. I ran it too long. I got myself in a really great condition, but then I, the rebound was a little bit higher and that's a whole uh, Graylin response and stuff. I started to get a higher appetite. So I got my metabolism back and said, okay, we need to do this in faster cycles. So in a recent experiment uh, over the course of three weeks, I did exactly that. And so I was able to drop nine pounds of body fat, pure body fat on a, on a DEXA scan. Uh, and then in a week, no, three weeks. And it, and, but here's the kicker. I gained just over three pounds of muscle because of the insulin spike. Now I'm almost 50 years old, no drugs, no, uh, pro hormones, no anything else. And that was simply because of the regulate the, the monitoring of insulin, getting my blood sugar super low, and then loading up uh, carbohydrates for, to create an insulin spike to create an anabolic response and creating training. So we're running a bunch of experiments right now. That's an early test. But I've never been able to produce that kind of muscle gain, 
concordantly with that amount of fat loss. And so all that to say is that the management of your blood sugar can have really positive effects in the body, but more importantly, I think it can have very negative effects. And a lot of people uh, are running into a lot of trouble, trouble with that. Matt's, you know, very close to this specifically because, you know, his wife's family has had some severe problems about it. So he's very motivated to kind of determine, you know, some of the factors that people need to address when it comes to what happens if you don't regulate your blood sugar. So my, my mother-in-law lost both feet due to diabetes um, a few years ago. She lives with us now. We, we take care of her. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty shocking experience to, to see that. Um, of course, there were some lifestyle issues and, you know, it wasn't just diabetes, but it was either that or that to lose the whole leg. And I started looking at blood sugar optimization a couple years ago. And bodybuilders have always been on the bleeding edge of this. I mean, going back to vetidyl sulfate and supplements like that. Why? Because if we can, again, shuttle nutrients to the muscle, instead of turning it to body fat, it makes a huge difference. And if we can, when we're in a calorie surplus, which everybody is usually a couple days a week, some people are <laughs> there for years, we can become way more anabolic um, if we take certain things in those calorie surpluses. So there's a lot of benefits both from dealing with disease or trying to optimize to superhuman. Now, Again, I'm connected to a couple of the top bodybuilding researchers on the planet. I mean, these guys are um, – they take experiments to the next level. So they gave me some things to start playing with, which I was. And with my wife's mother, my mother-in-law, she hit 640 on insulin. We had to call the ambulance. This is about two years ago. And 87 is about a healthy blood sugar level unless you've just had a meal. So this is a little bit high. Yeah. And that's on insulin. Oh my God. So she's very dysregulated. Okay. So anyways, long story short, come bring her to the hospital. And then I started giving her um, some of the things we're going to talk about today. Anyways, since that time, she's down to a normal uh, low 100s stabilized. She doesn't need as much insulin, which is huge. We'll talk about insulin sensitivity because that that is such a big part of the puzzle. And then I, I freaked out shortly after that because my wife uh, did a blood sugar test and she was 240. And I'm like, you know, the, the imagination starts spinning. I'm like, fuck, is she going to get um, health problems, issues? And as long story short, I give her the same nutrients we're going to talk about. Her blood sugar went from 240 to 120 in two hours. And I've been using these um, these ingredients we're going to talk about for the last two years to optimize, again, refeeds, vacations, and just minimize either minimize gaining body fat or maximize muscle gain. It's just been a game changer. So I mean, as long story short, um, I've seen firsthand what you know, unregulated blood sugar can do. And, you know, it's, it's very damaging to blood, sh to the blood vessels, the organs, of course, increases the likelihood of stroke and heart disease, vision problems. I mean, if you don't manage blood sugar, you can have a lot of consequences. So that's why we're, we're really highly motivated to create the best solution in class. 
one of the things that happens um, is you get insulin resistant uh, when you go into ketosis and you stay in ketosis. And <laughs> if I could have just handed people the Atkins diet book, which was the first set of books on ketosis, I wouldn't have had to do uh, the Bulletproof diet. And the reason that I, I wrote that is that if you go into ketosis, especially with bad oils, which was part of the Atkins thing, after a while, it's like your body forgets how to use insulin and then you don't handle sugar well at all. But this idea of going in and out, in and out was really important. And that was that and you know, don't eat the inflammatory proteins, the inflammatory plants and the inflammatory fats. Funny, you do that and you end up with uh, something that's sustainable long-term and doesn't cause that insulin resistance. Why do people who go in ketosis get insulin resistant? That's a great question. So we have lipolytic pathways and glycolytic pathways, and those are either the whole biochemical process of, again, converting carbs into energy and using them or storing them or same thing with the fats. Now, when people start ketosis for the first time, we, we've all heard of the keto flu. And what's happening there is the lipolytic pathways, the pathways of which you can convert fats into usable energy and use ketones effectively aren't very good. But we know after two weeks to get better. And then once you're fat adapted, you kind of, you never lose that. But there's levels of that, which we've talked about in previous shows. But the same, tr the same thing is true for glycogen, right? And when people stay on keto without doing carb refeeds, their glycolytic pathways get weaker and weaker and weaker. And there was some really interesting research that was done uh, pretty recently. So what they did, it took professional athletes and they starved them of carbs. They put them on keto and then they, they carb loaded them for the event. Now, now, you would think that, oh, well, they were able to perform, but no, they weren't. They, their performance went down because their glycolytic pathways hadn't fully recovered yet. So that was a pretty revealing study as far as peak performance. And I, I think when it comes to – and here's another thing too that the research has shown um, almost undoubtedly at this point, which is as far as athletic performance you know, for, for power athletes – Carbs is the superior fuel. Um, now, there's, again, debates around ketones for long-distance things, and you can get close. I still think there's benefit for everybody to doing um, keto. Even athletes becoming fat-adapted is very powerful. But as far as, like, peak, peak sports power performance, carbs seems to be the fuel of choice. And if your glycolytic pathways have been weakened by keto um, – you're going to struggle. You're going to have some issues. And I know Wade, again, Wade, Wade just thrives off on carbs. And there's a huge genetic component to this. We've talked about this on previous shows. Um, I think on a nutrigenomic level, some people thrive on fats more, e more easily than carbs and then vice versa. And Wade and I are great examples of that. I've always felt amazing on fats um, where Wade feels amazing on carbs. So Wade, maybe you can chat about that a bit. 
Yeah. So there's a couple things I think that are involved in your insulin response or blood sugar response too, is that what's the total meal? I always love the, uh, the glycemic index where ice cream would be low and carrots would be high. It's like, well, everybody knows that you are not going to get fat eating carrots, but you will probably get fat if you eat ice cream every day. <laughs> so um, one has to look at, in the bodybuilding world, we'd look at the total load. So we would stack carbohydrates with proteins and stuff. And to, to your point earlier, when I was doing that 2003, we had, I was a pseudo vegetarian during that time, which I was using whey protein as my only source of protein and a low quality one, because that's all that was available oh. in 2003. And that's what preset me up for the insulin mismanagement and the inflammatory responses. So, you know, you learn. Um, today, I have a high, of course, you know, I have a high plants, but that's the fiber is lowering my, my insulin response as well. And I'm also using various digestive enzymes to break down the foods that would have some people can't do that. For example, like Dr. Jordan Peterson, he can't have anything other than meat or he goes into a total crisis. That's a family thing that happens for him. Um, so when it comes to the management of that, it's like, your, what's your overall diet? What's your baseline? And then how do you take what we call gluconeogenesis, which that is how do you synthesize glucose with using non-carbohydrate precursors? In other words, you're not using insulin. Well, you might be using insulin, but there are other factors that you want to limit the amount of insulin because as a society, uh, our pancreases are about four and a half times the size per body weight of any species on the planet because we eat so much sugar. And that's what's uh, in involved in the regulation and distribution of insulin and these type of things. So we have to understand that's a huge price uh, crisis. And what are the things that we can do to mitigate it as biohackers without relying on insulin and burning out that pathway? Um, part of it is with diet. And just as another point, a lot of people don't realize that I used to also use fats as a uh, enhancing performance in bodybuilding. So I would strategically lower my fats for a period of time. And then as we got closer to the competition, we would load fats in to drive more um, repartitioning of the muscle to increase the, the volume of the muscle and decrease the uh, water partitioning effect on the outside of the muscle. So these are all the things that we used to play with. And it goes way back to Vince Garanda when he wrote The Wild Physique and was doing an anabolic type diet with high fats, yep. high proteins. And then he would go 10 days of clean people out, go to alkaline, he would go off that, and then he would go back again to get these rapid transformations. So um, I'll let Matt talk about some of the precursors that we've been experimenting with in order to enhance, particularly blood sugar metabolism, lower that blood sugar response. And uh, he's one of those guys like you uh, that has all the scars on the fingers because he's obsessed. <laughs> I tapped out after so many experiences. I was like, I, I can't do this anymore, guys. It, oh, it, it's, it, it does grind on you. I feel bad for people who've been type two diabetics for a long time before we had continuous glucose monitoring. And I, I've learned a lot, even though I've been doing continuous glucose monitoring for about three years on and off. Um, once I got the Levels app that let you track every meal and everything you put in, I was like, wow, this is really cool. So I, I've also been over the last year um, playing around with you know, postprandial. In other words, what happens after you eat, especially when you eat carbs, how do you manage blood sugar? And I was, uh, I was intrigued when you guys said, hey, Dave, you should have us back on. I'm like, you've been on enough. Uh, but then you had a pretty convincing case because, I, I mean, I know blood sugar management pretty darn well. In fact, of the stuff that, that we're going to talk about, about 80% of it I already used. And then you had a few other ingredients. I'm like, oh, I never came across that one in that way. Uh, so I, I think 
there's really a powerful effect that you can get by taking the right stuff. And I want to know, um, you know, what is the benefit biologically if, if I'm going to eat some carbs, but if my blood sugar doesn't spike very much after the meal and I ate the carbs, does that mean I'm using them or does that mean I just didn't absorb them? That's a great question. I want to start with some like practical, a few practical things to manage blood sugar that isn't supplement related. Um, and these are maybe well known, but it's worth sharing anyways. One of them is just eating proteins and fats with carbs. And we know that that buffers the blood sugar response. Now, a couple of other ways to manage blood sugar and, you know, kudos to Stan Efforting for really popularizing this idea, which is 10 minute walks after a meal. Now that he didn't come up with the research. The research showed it's incredibly effective, but just 10 minutes of vigorous walking after a meal can drop blood sugar 20 points. So that's huge. Another big one is cold, which I know you're a big fan of cryo. You got to upgrade labs. Um, in fact, cold is so intense. Now, more, more so if you're soaking in ice, you can go hypoglycemic in 10 minutes. Like you have to be a little mindful of that. Um, I, I, I know people that have gone right on the edge of that because your your body's using the glucose to replace the, the body heat uh, at such an accelerated rate. You're just using up the glucose very, very rapidly. So these are just practical things that everybody can apply and use. And, and one last comment on monitoring glucose. I, I'm such a fan of, of anything that's constant data you know, the, and you know this from the neurofeedback at 40 years of Zen, the power of a continuous feedback loop compared to snapshots is exponentially more powerful. So I love what Levels is doing. I've been aware of them for a while. Um, and, and I love the connecting the meal with the blood sugar response so that you learn, right? You learn. And, and there's, there's some other really interesting studies that have been done with blood sugar response, eating the same foods. But people are having – again, you're looking at the glycemic index and you're saying, well, your blood sugar should go you know, over at this level. And the belief is gut biome. We're not going to talk about gut biome too much today. But there seems to be a gut biome blood sugar response where certain people have strains that can consume the sugar more effectively. And we know that because we've been doing those experiments in the lab. So there's certain strains that, again, if some people might have, that will actually – thrive on sugar and, and eat it very aggressively. It's interesting. Um, I was talking with Naveen from Viome the other day, and they can now do this really incredible test where they're looking at your mitochondrial biology and your gut bacteria and unpublished data, but, but crazy abilities to predict which types of carbs are going to cause a blood sugar spike based on your gut bacteria. So part of the food recommendations they're making now are more advanced because they can literally say, oh, for you, rice is okay. For you, you ought to be going over to sweet potato or some other thing. And that's a huge thing because otherwise what you had to do is just eat a bunch of different foods and track your blood sugar and figure out, wow, I don't respond well to this one. I respond well to this one. Um, for instance, you know, mangoes. Everyone knows, at least everyone who's into this stuff knows, oh, mangoes are you know, very full of sugar and they're going to spike your blood sugar, but they have a lot of fiber. And some people eat mangoes and nothing happens. And some people eat them and they just go crazy. So you're just not going to know unless you have a map of your gut bacteria, which is why I've been you know, a longtime advisor and investor in Biome. And the, the new uh, tests that they're doing um, 
unbelievably effective uh, in order to just tell you maybe that's not the carb for you. Love it. But but let's let's say that okay, we figured out these are the carbs that don't spike your blood sugar so much. Wouldn't it be nice to spike your blood sugar at least a decent amount because you wanted the muscles to come in? Glucose is actually good for the glial cells in the brain. Like, how, how do you know when too much? Let's put it this way: after a meal, what is the highest your blood sugar should ever go to give you benefit without causing things like glycation and aging and cancer and all the other bad stuff? What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress? and take more control of your body. Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave. For a seven-day free trial. That's a great question. Um, I mean, of course, there's such a, a wild difference in response. I mean, as far as what's optimal from a from a meal, I would say 120, 130-ish. I mean, kind of that yeah. that that spike. And in our experiments, we were eating the same thing every day. A, a fairly large group of us. And then we were monitoring different responses using different combinations of ingredients which we're going to talk about. And myself, for an example, eating you know, a couple of cups of white rice, I went from the 150s down to 105. Using the supplements. Yeah. Eating the yeah. exact same thing. Um, so that that was a pretty good response. And I, I think ultimately, and, and I saw it in the gym. So I want to I want to just talk about what does this translate to. And I've been tracking my workouts using an app called Trainerize for about four years now. That week, where I was testing the, the various formulas, I broke thirteen records in two workouts um, because it tells me when I do PRs, which either meant more reps, more weight. Um, it, you know, it'll track any type of record, and. I credit it just because of the ability to use the carbs more effectively, translate it into ATP or energy. So, you know, going back to bodybuilding, there's three things. We could kind of frame these ingredients into three categories. The first one is insulin sensitivity. The second one is glucose transport. And the third one is glucose disposal agents. So we, when we looked at the blood sugar situation, we said, Hey, let's, which we always do, Let's hit the multiple biopathways, right? And there's there's nine that we're really focused on. And I know we're huge fans, Dave, of, of stacking and synergies. And you, we both know that we could produce far stronger results and effects with almost any objective or goal if we stack modalities. So that's what we've done. Now, the first thing we focused on is activating AMPK, which things like quercetin, berberine, alpha-lipoic acid, resveratrol, cinnamon, metformin does, inoslim does. 
And AMPK is a nutrient sensing hormone that when, and, and when we fast, for an example, and I'm sure you wrote about it in the book and you can talk about AMPK, when you fast, AMPK goes up and it's believed to be very powerful for longevity. So maybe you can add a few words about AMPK, Dave. Well, I, I want to kind of suck your brains uh, versus uh, talking about uh, things like AMPK. It is part of my fasting book. The fastest way is it's written because a lot of people never fast, even biohackers, or they, they might occasionally do an intermittent fast because fasting is too painful for them. So I wrote the book to say, look, here's some of the basic science about this, but the Bulletproof Diet has intermittent fasting and, okay, <laughs> and so does superhuman. So like, I, I feel like uh, William Lee has written a great book on fasting. There's so much knowledge about this over the last 10 years where you know recreating all that knowledge isn't going to add a lot. So it's summarized, but this is more the how to do it and how to not feel pain and a lot of the the mindset, the psychology, and then the things to do during a fast so that you can still function as a human, uh, which isn't a problem once you're an experienced faster. Um, but for most people listening right now, they're sort of going, mm, I fast sometimes, but I pay for it. Or I just don't fast because it's, you know, it's just too much work and I can't figure out how to get it into my life and still, you know, be a parent or, uh, you know, a teacher or whatever the heck your job is. Uh, because when your blood sugar goes low and your cells don't work very well, you kind of get hangry. Uh, so what I, I believe is happening when we use enough supplements to manage our blood sugar is that really glucose has to go somewhere in the body. Either it's getting used to make energy, right? You're peeing it out. There you go, diabetes, right? Um, or uh, maybe it's getting consumed in the gut and turned into something else. Although most of the time when you eat anything other than, you know, resistant starch and things like that, your gut bacteria are going to metabolize it into various substances. So what's happening is you want cells that are really good at sucking all the glucose out and doing something with it, whether it's repairing uh, your body, whether it's moving, thinking, whatever. And you also want cells that can do exactly the same thing with ketones. And that would be a resilient metabolism. And do you have evidence that the kind of supplements that you've stacked together in your blood sugar breakthrough stuff, is it actually making our cells use glucose more effectively? Is that the end game for this? Well, that's what the data shows. Everybody was eating the same meal and blood sugar was dropping. So that's that's the goal, right? So you're driving it into the cells more. Okay. You're using it. And so the other thing I noticed, and, and I've been tracking calories pretty closely, and I'll give a, a tip for everybody who wants to kind of figure out what your actual basic metabolic rate is. You, you basically don't want to be losing weight. Okay. So for an example, if you're eating 2,500 calories a day for a week and you're, you're not, and it, there's some minor weight fluctuations, which can happen from water and things like that. But if your weight's essentially the same, that's your metabolic rate, which changes depending if you're eating more or dieting too long, things like that. So the, the, the thing that I noticed is I needed an extra 500 calories a day, not to lose weight. I was trying to maintain my weight that week. And the first few days, I was I was losing too much weight. Using muscle, or are you losing fat? I was lo losing the glycogen, right? So one of the things that happens oh, okay. when you lose glycogen, you lose water with it. And I've been carb doing cyclical 
keto for since I'm 16 years old, 43 now. Now, what happens is that when you eat carbs, your weight goes up like eight, 10 pounds, and it's just a, and it's no body fat, just glycogen uh, and water. And let, let me explain glycogen. So some people listening are like, Dave, I already know this, but a lot of people don't. So glycogen is how your body stores carbs after you eat them. And for every gram of glycogen, there's two grams of water. And this is why when you go keto, like, wow, I lost seven pounds my first week. It's like, yeah, you got rid of a lot of water and you might've got rid of some fat too. Uh, but that, that's what glycogen is for. It's stored in the liver and stored in the muscles. And all right, keep keep going just so our definitions are there. Yeah. So those were things that I noticed. Um, and I, I'm going to just keep going as far as the different biopathways when you're looking at blood sugar. So another one is adiponectin, which is involved in, in regulating blood glucose levels, as well as fatty acids. So again, as far as anybody eating, you know, any fats, uh, being on bulletproof diet, keto, keto uh, ketogenic diet, et cetera. So insulin mimetics is another interesting one. And there's some really powerful ingredients such as Tibetan holy fruit that has been shown to be very powerful. Uh, so is banana, banana leaf extract. And what they do is they mimic the effects of insulin. So they can promote, again, the entry of the glucose into muscle tissue instead of having it convert to body fat, which, of course, nobody wants. Another big one is improving mitochondrial function and thermogenesis through mitochondrial decoupling, which the most powerful fat burner we are not endorsing, but that's how it worked, was DNP. It's, it's the most effective fat burner ever and the deadliest fat burner ever, and it got outlawed many, many decades ago, but it worked through that process. Um, and we're not going to get too deeper into that, but that's a little sort of interesting factoid there. And there's some things you can take like bitter melon extract, fucoxantin that will improve the mitochondrial function. Then reducing inflammation is a big one. And of course, you know, the term inflammaging is, has been thrown out there. We've been hearing about metabolic syndromes for a couple decades now. And the primary, I mean, one of the primary drivers of metabolic syndrome or inflammaging is inflammation. And it seems to directly impact people's ability to utilize glucose. So if we can reduce inflammation, um, it's going to improve usually blood sugar response. We talked about glucose transport. That's a big one, right? So, you know, Tim Ferriss released the four hour body. He popularized the idea of, hey, let's increase glute four, which is one of those transport trucks for, for the glucose into the muscle tissue before you eat carbs. Makes sense. But there are certain supplements you can take. I mean, cinnamon is a very well-known one, alpha-lipoic acid, banabia, leaf extract is another one. Then there's things you can do, and we talked a little bit about it, to improve the, gar the carb breakdown and absorption in the gut. And cinnamon is a very powerful um, probiotic booster, and we've, we've proven that in the lab. So if you <clears> – probiotics, their, their ability to actually grow biofilm, it, it gets – amplified with cinnamon. Cinnamon is very powerful. I mean, we've, it's very well known that it helps with blood sugar, but it actually is a very powerful thing for your gut bile. And, and we're seeing that in our lab in Bosnia. It's also likely that most um, of the herbs that we can take are working via gut bacteria and 
via direct intervention on things, but even medical drugs, uh, they're finding, oh, <laughs> 95% of it is transformed by gut bacteria. And that's a part of how they're, they're working. So we're just really starting to understand uh, at a science level what's going on there. And that's why it's so unpredictable what these will do. And I, I like the approach you have where um, you've put a bunch of these things that are, are stacked to make sense on managing blood sugar. What I do right now, if I'm going to eat carbs, is I take uh, chromium uh, and I take vanadyl sulfate, which is an insulin mimetic. Um, and those are very old school things. They're very cheap. You know, they're available all over the place and you can vary the amount of those things. Um, I also take cinnamon. I take alpha R lipoic acid. I take benfotiamine. Um, and generally that helps really a, a lot. I have a bottle of bitter melon extract, but I mean, I'm the last guy to say this, but you can only take so many pills so many times a day. I, I do 150 a day, but if every time I'm going to eat carbs, I got to go to my vitamin cabinet and be like, oh, you know, let's open these 10 bottles. <laughs> I'm likely to open five or six and just be like, all right, that's enough. And uh, I, I like the idea of putting all of this into a, a single supplement. So it's like, if you eat carbs, you take this and it's got a, a, a stack, including, I didn't know about Tibetan holy fruit uh, for this use. Uh, and I didn't know about propolis as well. So let me break down a little bit how we went about creating this process. First of all, uh, we consulted with the genius underground bodybuilding chemist, uh, got, got some baselines. Then we worked with um, one of our key formulators who's been in the business for four decades. And what we did was we built six different formulas because the challenge with synergies is nobody does research on synergies. You know, mo almost every experiment that's done or, or research that's done is on single ingredients. So we created six different blends. We sent it to fairly large group of people, including Dom D'Agostino, who's one of our scientific advisors now. He was in the first hundred people I interviewed on the show um, before he was a, a, as well known as he is now. Very great guy. I'm, I'm glad you got him on the advisory board. He's, um, he's very solid. Yeah, he's awesome. And uh, he, he runs a CGM. So we so he was able to to accurately see and, and saw a great response. But we combined um, a bunch of different ingredients to see what the magic synergy is. The other thing, too, and this is our most expensive product we've ever made as far as our cost, um, because we just went all in because almost on every single ingredient. And, and no, I know you know this, Dave, because you've got the same mindset uh, just to bring people a little bit behind the curtain. There's different levels of quality. You know, and if you want the best of every single ingredient, you're going to, you know, we're going to pay, right? I mean, you know, we buy and then we, we blend and, and combine. So we did that. I mean, things like the better melon extract, we use the best in the business, which is glycostat. And in, in the rat studies, it worked like a fat burner through the mitochondrial uncoupling, which is when the mitochondrial energy is used to produce heat instead of ATP. That's, that's what that means. So the other okay. thing too, and, and berberines become very popularized and it's because it's a great ingredient, but there's a better one called dehydroberberine, which is five times higher absorption rate than the classic berberine. So we've used that as, as a key thing. And it's been shown in a meta-analysis that berberine plus lifestyle was more effective at lowering fasting blood glucose than just lifestyle intervention alone. Now, one of the most interesting ones, you're going to love this one, Dave, is the Tibetan holy fruit extract. 
which is also known as C. buckthorn, but it's 300 to one extract. And one of the cool things about this ingredient is that it stimulates three different stem cells. Like the research has shown that uh, we're talking about a 15% boost in three different stem cells. And the ORAC score is off the chains on this ingredient. It's, That's an antioxidant score. Yeah. yeah, it's eight times higher than grapeseed extract, which is very well known. So very cool ingredient. I mean, same thing with the, cin- the cinnamon. So we looked at all the different cinnamons out there. And, you know, people can use silent cinnamon and, and they should. You know, it's a great, you know, one of the things I picked up from you, uh, I just want to give you credit for this tip, which I've been readily implementing my life ever since. And you shared this on stage, I think at a Bulletproof conference is to just go crazy on spices because it's such an easy way uh, to get things like ginger and then, you know, poly, poly, uh, all, all these different ingredients and nutrients we can get by just adding spices to shakes and meats and whatever it is. So I've been going crazy on spices. Thanks to you, Dave. And it's, it's a great one. And cinnamon's one of those things where yeah. if you like the flavor, it's easy to throw in shakes, but there are better cinnamons. So we use one called Signalin PF, which again, there's a lot of research and data on. And, and, uh, a lot of people don't know, just to, to pause you for a second there, um, there's different kinds of cinnamon. You know, there's Vietnamese cinnamon, there's Ceylon cinnamon, and they have different effects on blood sugar. So they're not all the same thing. And what you're using in here is actually an extract of cinnamon, right? Yep. Yeah. And if you take too much regular cinnamon that, that has all of the compounds in it, that can be not good for you because there's some compounds in cinnamon that you don't want. So by extracting the the good stuff, you can take a lot more of this and it's good for you that way instead of kind of some good, some bad. Yeah. And it's been this ingredient here in the research has been shown to, again, reduce body fat even more and increase lean body mass even more than other uh, types of cinnamon. So that's interesting. Our alpha lipoic acid, which increases GLUT4 and activates AMPK. So again, it's hitting different insulin pathways. And, you know, alpha lipoic acid has been used. I mean, I remember like 20 years ago when it came out, it's, it's been very well researched and used because it works. Um, it's a great one to add to any blood sugar management stack in a slim, which we also have in Capex also helps with AMPK and also insulin signaling, which is the PI three K pathway. Uh, benfotiamine is another great one to increase, um, fat and glucose metabolism in the mitochondria, which is one of the big things that we're focused on. We were focused on on Capex, of course, to do that with uh, high fat meals. And now we're doing it with carbs, which is awesome. Then we have Glucofit, which is a banaba leaf extract. And this is a very powerful ingredient. Um, we, sh- we saw it in the test. It produced some pretty significant boosts and synergies compared to not having it. And Again, it, it inhibits the formation of new fat molecules and fat cells, which is huge, you know. So going back to if you're doing carb refeeds, which, of course, like everybody at one point or another, whether it's the holidays, vacations, whatever it is, they're going to eat a surplus of calories. Last night was my uh, one of my best friend's birthdays, for an example. I probably ate 4,000 calories <laughs> in that meal. It was it was a feast, you know, sushi and, and a tomahawk steak. We went all out, right? Nice. Um, and it's great to be able to, again, not gain body fat when you've got those calorie surplus, which going back to Wade's results where he gained 3.4 pounds of lean tissue when he refed 
um, that that's what we're talking about is essentially using these calorie surplus as opportunities to build lean muscle mass instead of what happens to most people, which is to gain body fat. Um, Gynama leaf extract very well known as well. Uh, and that's another good one that people can integrate in their life using making teas. A lot of people love making uh, teas out of it. It's uh, very effective uh, to, to lower blood sugar response. So it's a good, here's a pro tip. I mean, people can make teas and then with the Gynama and then use it to make shakes with it. I know some people that do that. It's a good little tip. Fucoxantin, uh, very, very powerful. And again, it's another one that improves uh, the production of brown adipose tissue, which is another way you can raise your, your metabolic rate, which is one of the big benefits of cryo and other cold therapies, is turning white fat to brown fat, and it's metabolically active, which means you're burning more calories doing nothing, which is awesome. So um, yeah, very impressive results. And, and that's a seaweed extract, if, if I remember right. And it, it's interesting. I've experimented with that with cold therapy to increase brown fat in the body. But it's it's interesting to see all of these in uh, one supplement <laughs> because uh, I I like being able to not open a dozen bottles of stuff. And I, I look at this at this list of things like that and I look at the amount of work it takes if I'm going to eat carbs. I'm actually pretty excited about this because you've got three ingredients that I really haven't been using um, that really allow me to eat carbs as much as I want. I don't have to be in ketosis all the time. Uh, and I maintain around 10, 11% body fat without a lot of work. And I like my life that way. And I don't have to be carb free. In fact, I truly don't think that's good for you um, to do for long periods of time. Um, and that doesn't count, obviously, if you're fasting, well, you're going carb free for sure. And if you're in keto, you're just fasting from carbs. That's what keto is. And if you're vegan, you're fasting from meat <laughs> and animal proteins. So if fasting is just the definition of going without, you can say, I'm going to go without sometimes, but the, the art of resilience is saying when I choose to not go without, in other words, to do something, to be able to handle it. And you can say, I just want my body to be so strong with no help whatsoever uh, that I'm going to handle it. And that's possible. Uh, the difficulty, though, is that in a situation like that, you still are taking the hits. You're getting the advanced glycation. And if I don't take anything like that, I can eat a carb-rich meal. And postprandial, I might go up to 160, depending on what carbs I eat, right? And it drops immediately because my systems work, right? So it spikes and it drops. But that spike is an aging spike. So I always take supplements to keep my blood sugar levels from doing that whenever I can. And then I modify the type of carbs because now that I have the levels tracker, I'm more mindful than I was when I was doing it with just the the just a sensor when I was just kind of correlated in my head. So I feel like I've gotten dialed in, but with the blood sugar breakthrough uh, stack that you guys have put together here, um, I think it's going to be easier for me to do it, <laughs> which is, which is one of the reasons I'm like, all right, guys, if you're going to send me a case of this stuff, you're definitely coming on. <laughs> easier and more effective. Um, again, there was, there was some significant differences and, and this is where the synergy comes in. This is where the research comes in. Uh, I, we talked about the lab we have in Bosnia um, and we're committed to just actually doing real world tests with everything we do so we can improve it. You know, going back to feedback loops, we're, we're obsessed with trying to make uh, not our, just ourselves better, but the products. And that's the power of using data. You know, I, I think data shapes destinies. If it's good data, not 
fake data. Tell me about fake data. Where's that coming from? Media, journalists. <laughs> yeah. I, I think some fake data also comes from testing single variables. And the, the, the biohacking approach is really straightforward. You wanted to get the result, so you throw everything at the problem all at the same time, and you get the results, and your life improves, and then you can start backing some things out to see, oh, maybe I didn't need that one and all. Um, what you quickly realize is that most problems biologically require four, five, six things to really get them dialed in. And some of them may be lifestyle, uh, like going for a walk after meal or something. But when you're dealing with supplements or even food combinations, it's just complex. It is not single variable. And if you try to test foods and even supplements like pharmaceuticals, saying, I'm just going to do this one thing, you almost never get there and it would take you forever. And so you've done the work of testing lots of things that weren't in here and came up with a kind of an MVP list of things. And I know it's well put together because my, my own research over the last 20 years correlates very highly with yours, but you've got a few things in there that I just haven't looked at, but I know that you guys are doing the real science behind it, which is, which is cool. So I am going to be not opening, you know, six or eight bottles uh, when I have carbs and I'll just open one bottle, which is, uh, okay, which is great. Maybe I cut my number from 150 supplements a day down to, you know, 125 and I'd be okay with that. Chances are you'll probably squeeze in some more back to 150. Give us some new experiments, Dave. I think I think I think we're cooked into the experimental program. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point. It, it just gives me permission to try something else. That, that's a good point. Uh, I, I love that. It, this isn't something I thought I thought we'd talk about, but what I actually do is every night after I tuck my my kids in, I go into this big like cabinet that I have that's full of vitamins. Uh, and it's got like two deep shelves that are full of the ones that I'm actively taking. And it's got my inventory for all the ones to replace the bottles when I go through them. A lot of people end up with something like that in a kitchen cabinet or whatever. Um, but what I'll do is I'll say, all right, um, here's the stuff I'm going to take for sleep, right? And I have a stack of things for that. Uh, and then I, at the same time, I say, what am I going to take tomorrow morning, right? And so I kind of have my night and my morning handled. And then if I have a meal that day, or usually it's lunch and or dinner, uh, then I'll reopen the cabinet and say, all right, what did I eat and what are the right supplements for that? And what you've done, uh, both with Capex, if it's a high-fat meal, I, I can take a Capex. And if it's a high-carb meal, I can take a blood sugar breakthrough. And what that does, though, is it just reduces the amount of time. You can just keep those next to the table where you eat. And I honestly think if biohacking is too much work, most of us aren't going to do it. And this is a way just to reduce friction so that you don't, you don't spend time thinking about it. Like, oh, I'll just do that. And if your meal had fat and carbs, you take one of each and you're good to go, right? Yeah. It would also help even people that are not eating carbs, um, people that are in a ketogenic diet, you can get deeper into ketosis and produce more ketones. So that that's another aspect of it. Um, and, and if again, if people are doing like cyclical keto, whether it's, there's a couple of ways you can do cyclical keto. Maybe this is a practical, uh, useful tip for people. We talked about doing it over two days seems to be optimal to reset leptin, which is what I do these days. But there's another way too, which is to use and, – and Dom D'Agostino, I, I love this, the way he framed it – as a performance-enhancing substance. So let's say you're in ketosis and you got a workout coming, especially if it's something like squats, a hard workout. You could use like 80 grams of carbs, make a shake out of it, throw in some mass on, some protein powder, 
What, what kind of carbs would, are you talking about here? Well, the ideal ratio is 50% fructose, 50% glucose, which things like honey will produce. So you can mix kind of a, you know, most fruits are a blend. Like most fruits are That's not. That's basically sugar is 50-50, right? Yep. Yep. So you can, okay. so you can basically, again, 80 grams it could be high glycemic carbs because you're just going to be scorching that. You just sip it through the workout and most people will see zero change in their ketosis levels. You know, they're just burning the glycogen. It sounds like ice cream would be ideal for that. <laughs> if, if you could tolerate the milk proteins, probably it wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, but uh, you could do a coconut-based ice cream. You really could. Right? Yeah, coconut bliss. May, yeah, make a, make a milkshake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> throw some protein in there, throw some collagen in there. Yeah, that works. Okay, so you do that during a workout, you're saying? Yeah, we're big fans of in ketosis. And- in ketosis. And then you, you adjust the carb dose based on how tough the workout's going to be. So if it's just like right. biceps, triceps, you can do 20 grams. But if it's going to be a big body part like back or legs or sprinting or something that's just very intense, you can go to 80 grams and just scorch the carbs in real time. And stay in ketosis. And stay in ketosis. Which is super cool. Well, can I share something too that was super wild and super cool? So when I was testing all the different uh, blood sugar formulations, and this is four of them right here. I had a couple more on my desk. Um, I was measuring ketones as well just to see what was happening. And I never got below 0.3. And on the 10th day of eating 250 to 300 grams of carbs a day, including mostly white rice, I was still at 0.5, which is something I'd never checked before. I'd never checked my ketosis levels uh, eating carbs for that long. I, I always knew that even after doing two days of carb reloads on Mondays, I'm still in ketosis. So I don't know if it's the blood sugar ingredients that improve that or that's just how fat adapted I am at this point where I'm producing ketones even when I'm eating carbs. Are you having... Are you having MCTs with them at all? I wasn't having any MCT during that experiment. You weren't? Okay. What, what I've found is that if I just do a bulletproof coffee in the morning, it doesn't matter what I ate the night before. I, I can eat a pound of sushi with white rice and everything. Uh, my ketones will reliably go up to 0.5. Yeah. And 0.5 is that magic number that turns off hunger because of CCK and because of ghrelin. So if you're doing that endogenously... That's pretty amazing. You're eating like stupid amounts of carbs. And because of your exercise and because of your supplements, you're not having a negative effect. You're not exiting ketosis. And there's great debate. You know, there's the the keto bro crowd. You know, if you eat a carb again, you're a bad person. And, you know, for, for them, you know, more ketones is better. I kind of feel like having high ketones in the blood is just like having high blood sugar. It, it's an energy substrate that you're not using yep. because either you didn't move or your cells can't use it because of a problem. And so I like to keep my ketones around 0.5. If they go higher, great, but they don't need to be a lot higher, right? And I like to keep my blood sugar uh, at about 87, right? Unless I'm using blood sugar because I ate some carbs and it'll go up and it'll go back down to normal levels. And some days, especially if I didn't sleep, my blood sugar will be at 90, 95, right? That's okay too. It's not the end of the world, right? So it's that big spike after meals and it's chronic elevation that's a problem. We don't know if chronically elevated ketones because you're using salts or 
esters is a good thing. I suspect it's not. I have concerns about kidneys from the salts and about liver from the um, from the esters, um, just from what I've seen, which is why I haven't made a product that does either one. And I'm okay if you want to spike them occasionally, but it's that daily use of those that I think would be a problem, just like daily use of you know, maltodextrin to spike your <laughs> blood sugar because you just wanted to do that. Neither one of those seems that smart. And I, I feel like we're going to get there. But you guys have a different perspective on that. Like, do you think that 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 perspective is accurate? You've you've done stuff in the lab. I haven't. One of the things that I think philosophically we adopted, and you were so generous to write the forward to our uh, blueprint for biological optimization, and that is the minimum effective dose, the maximum effective dose, and the optimal effective dose. And as Biohackers, we tend to move to the maximum and pull back as you suggested. And the medical community tends to go to the minimum effective and tries to get to some what they quote unquote is normal. And if, if your numbers are normal by your general practitioner, go and stop everything you're doing and get all Dave's books and start changing your philosophy because normal is not good. It actually means that you're set up as the New England Journal of Medicine suggested that you're headed on dependency, a disability-adjusted lifestyle by the age of 60. That was by Professor Oshansky in the New England Journal of Medicine. So going back to the philosophical aspect of how do you take a supplement and how do you monitor it so it's an effectiveness as what I would say a responsible biohacker is. And that is, number one, you set the parameters of your lifestyle and understand you know, what is your insulin regulatory components? What is the, the dietary responses that you do better on fats, better on carbs, better on proteins, whatever that is? Uh, what's your risk from a pulse test, your, your, your heart disease, your genetic backgrounds? What's your gut biome doing? First, you need to set all of those parameters in, in place. You've suggested all of these things. You advocate these things at your bulletproof conferences, and you have a whole array of experts that's setting that. So I want people to first recognize we're not talking about randomly shotgunning products because we think it does this. Set those parameters first. Then as you go on the, the, on the diet that seems to be best working for you, you can run these experiments where you can, uh, you know, because as a biohacker, we're really into the end of one because it's really the only thing that matters is does this work for you, which is kind of the opposite of the medical community. So let's do... You do an experiment, you say, okay, I'm going to take, I know these parameters, I got my continuous blood sugar monitor now, and, and, and now I know that I have this response to my blood sugar, and then I'm going to try this product. I'm going to take one cap of this or two caps of this or whatever it happens to be and see what the response is in my own body and run that experiment for 30 days. And by doing that, and then you take the data and you correlate it with your biofeedback and your biofeedback and, geez, you know, I woke up this morning and I was really hungry. Uh, you know, okay, what was my data numbers? And then the next day I did this, but I woke up and ate the same thing, but I'm not hungry. You know, like you talked about for a bulletproof, for example, in my fasting, I look at the difference if I fast completely without anything, or I walk down to bulletproof and I have, uh, I have a bulletproof coffee, there's a difference. If I have a bulletproof coffee and I jump in the cryo chamber, there's a difference. And so I can regulate these things mm -hmm. and experiment. And so, um, you know, as great as our product is, and it's really awesome, I want to also caution people, you can't supplement your way out of a bad diet. And you want to take data and you want to correlate it with biofeedback. Then what happens, and I'm sure you're very uh, tuned in like this, is you can kind of take a product 
independently now, because you've got so much data and correlated information, you go, this feels like it's doing something. Let's, let's see what's happening because you've got a good baseline of what's happening uh, in your body. So I want to be just conscientious and, and letting people know that you, you can't supplement your way out of bad diet. We're not suggesting it. But if you're looking at blood sugar and you want to run some experiments, I think you're going to be delighted with the results of what we've been able to produce here. And especially if blood sugar is an issue in your family or genetic history or that sort of thing. I'm lucky it's not an issue for me. But our mission is to end physical suffering and activate what we call biologically optimized health. That's why we're on the show. That's why we do this. That's why we do this. And Matt's family, which is an extension of my own, there's a big issue over there. And we've got to solve it. And it's a big issue for a lot of people. So if we can solve those issues for people, we're excited about it. Given what's going on uh, in the world right now uh, with viruses and things like that, uh, which shall not be named, thank you, algorithms. <laughs> Pretty much everyone, other than 6% of people um, who die, um, not just from the most famous virus, but from many of the other ones out there, um, these are people with diabetes. They have blood sugar and metabolic regulation issues. It's one of the pre-existing conditions. It's one of the four killers in my book on aging. And it's the worst one because if you have diabetes, your risk of the other three remaining big killers goes through the roof. If you have diabetes, your cardiovascular disease risk goes up dramatically. If you have diabetes, your cancer risk goes up dramatically, and your Alzheimer's risk goes up dramatically. So if we were to just put on our thinking hats as biohackers and say, which intervention has the highest ROI for reducing my odds of dying from everything? <laughs> um, regulating your blood sugar would be very, very high on the list, probably more important than exercise, even though exercise can be a method of controlling your blood sugar and exercise and movement are important, no doubt about it. But if you didn't move around and your blood sugar was highly regular, you'd be better off than if you had irregular blood sugar and you moved around. It's that big of a deal. This, this is that I take air and I take food and I combine them to make electrons. <laughs> if you have diabetes, you have, just have blood sugar regulation issues. You suck at the basis of staying alive and you have to fix it. And that's why I think this is the right time for everyone to focus on their blood sugar levels and do it with fasting, do it with exercise, do it with cyclical keto, uh, do it with all of the different things you can do, get, do a sleep. Uh, but I find that, that for me, this stack is a really powerful idea. Uh, so I'm excited to switch over to blood sugar breakthrough instead of opening all the things I was opening uh, ahead of time. And I'm getting a couple new ingredients I haven't played with yet, which I'm pretty excited about. Now, you guys have a habit uh, when you sponsor a show of coming on and giving people um, a, a, a deal. And I ask you to do that because, hey, if people are going to listen, I told you guys you're going to get an ROI on it. If people go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash Dave, you can use code Dave10 and you get some savings on this. And I would encourage you, if you're not tracking your blood sugar at all, it is dirt cheap to get a little finger prick thing. You'll use it four or five times because it sucks to prick your finger. Uh, or you could get a continuous glucose monitor if you really have weight to lose. It is the best kind of biofeedback. Do that. Get the Blood Sugar Breakthrough product. That's bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash Dave. Um, go there. Use that code Dave10. And see what happens when you eat carbs and then see what happens when you eat carbs and you take blood sugar breakthrough. And you can measure the difference. It, it's very, very obvious what's happening here. And before we 
before we go, if someone's already pre-diabetic or already diabetic, do they need to worry about, you know, this is going to lower my blood sugar more than I'm used to? Well, going back to my mother-in-law, again, she is obviously she's diabetic. She was using insulin. She was 640. This has gotten her to low 100s and reduce her insulin dose. So it's been a game changer and it's kind of a little bit weird using your mother-in-law to uh, to be your experiment, but it, she was uh, very happy and she loves the product. You know, she's so grateful. So that that's that's the power of creating stuff that works is you can help people. The flip side of that, though, is that if if someone's listening and they have high blood sugar or they're on insulin or they know they have diabetes, um, you need to monitor your blood sugar if you take any new supplement, whether it's this one or another, because a lot of supplements can help you have mitochondria that work better, which means they use glucose more effectively. So just track your numbers. And if you know you're dealing with this stuff, see what happens when you have blood sugar breakthrough and then talk to your doctor. Um, If you find, wow, I think I might need less insulin. uh, You don't necessarily want to go hack that yourself unless you're very well regulated. But if you see positive changes, I wouldn't be surprised because this is about making your cells do what they're supposed to do, not about any kind of treating or preventing a disease. It actually, I will say it is about preventing this thing called aging, <laughs> which I consider to be a disease. But um, there's there's just been so much written. Superhuman, I write a lot about what happens when your blood sugar goes up. It ages your tissues, AGE, advanced glycation end products. And those go in and they gum up the workings of your cells so other parts of the cells that aren't energy metabolism don't work, things like lysosomes. So As a biohacker, if you're listening to this, or maybe you're saying, I don't want to be a biohacker. I just wanted to live a long time and feel good all the time. You got to own your blood sugar and you know, you can monitor it. That's great. And you can do something when you eat carbs so that you don't have to take the hit, but you actually get the benefits of carbs and there are benefits from carbs. So guys, you've done a, a great job of explaining what this is and a really good job on putting together a set of ingredients that work well together and then testing it before you launched it just why you've earned another spot on the show. Thanks so much. And anybody that tries our products too, I want to be clear, uh, clear too. Go ahead and run your experiment. Send us the results. We'd love to get that feedback because I think it's it's always fun to get uh, the testimonials and stuff, which we love. And also, you know, and that's good, bad, or ugly. But here's the great news. If you try any of our products and for whatever reason, you don't see the benefit, let us know. You get a refund. It's really that simple. We, we de-risk it because we're all on this together and we don't feel, we, we hope that we earn people's trust to try our products, but we don't expect them uh, if they don't deliver on, on what we, we hope they do. Um, they send that bottle back and you get a refund and that's it. No muss, no fuss. And you go back and try another experiment with something else. Last note on the product is that you will, most people will see an immediate impact. You know, you take the capsules usually 15, 20, 30 minutes before a meal. However, a lot of the ingredients accumulate in the cells and have an impact over time. So you're going to get an improvement kind of day one usually, and then further improvements. And we saw it as people were running the tests, their fasting blood glucose or their spikes were getting flattened more and more. Um, as we ran more experiments. So it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's, it's an immediate impact and medium long-term impact as well. All right. Well, I am uh, switching over to blood sugar breakthrough from the stack of other bottles I've been taking and being very familiar with the supplements market. I've formulated a bunch uh, for Bulletproof. Um, 
there isn't anything like blood sugar breakthrough on the market today uh, that I've been able to find. There are a few stacks out there, uh, but this is a, a very complete one. I'm also planning to keep taking chromium and vanadium uh, because those are essential minerals anyway. How come they're not in here? No, chromium's in there. Oh, there is chromium. There's just not vanadium. I missed chromium on, on the list. Okay, cool. And why not vanadium? Yeah, um, a lot of it has to do with how much you can fit in a capsule. Um, <laughs> There's that. <laughs> you know, most people, it's been an interesting thing in the supplement side. We're trying to produce products where you have to take less and less capsules. Uh, there's certain products, for an example, that certain people promote that you need seven capsules to produce some effects. And, you know, some of our enzymes and stuff are like that. With this product, we wanted to try to compress as much effectiveness in, in one cap. And the Vanadol took, takes a lot of space to get an effective dose. We got some stuff in here where two milligrams, like the Fucosantin, that stuff is hyper potent. You're talking just a couple milligrams uh, is what is used in the research. So we love ingredients like that. If someone like me, you know, 200, 210 pounds, just a wall of of muscle. Okay, not really. Almost muscular is what the New York Times called me. (laughs) Uh, But but generally, I I have legs like tree chunks. Uh, It's genetic, I think. And so lots of muscle mass in there. Um, Can I take two of these? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I recommend most people take two caps before a high carb meal. Um, again, if you're, it depends how much you're eating. If you're going to be eating a, a 4,000 calorie meal, like I did last night, you know, four caps. Okay. So you, you basically say, depending on how carby the meal is and how big the meal is, you might take an extra one. Yeah. It's the same advice okay. too, with the enzymes in general, like usually one cap per 250 calories does the trick. We had guys, <laughs> we launched mass times. We tell, tell this, this funny story. We'll wrap up on the story where the, where the guys were doing the, the crazy spike days with the mass times back in 15 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when it comes to <laughs> file hackers, if you give them a little bit, boy, they'll just go wild with it. We had guys doing experiments with, with our enzyme products to e- eating, you know, in excess of 12 and 15,000 calories a day on spike days and, and saying, wow. Hey, I feel great because I took all these digestive ends. I'm like, well, okay. But you took, took a hundred calories. We never measured your inflammatory markers, which are probably off the charts. So, you know, you know, there, you can, you, you have to be uh, conscientious of what you're doing. So. All right. You give people tools. They can still smack themselves on the thumb with a hammer. So it, it happens. All right, guys. Thank you for sharing some really good information about blood sugar, blood sugar regulation, stack of supplements that work. And uh, for listeners, uh, like I said, you don't have to go out and pick up blood sugar breakthrough. Um, It's just easier. (laughs) I think ease is really important. And we talked about many of the ingredients here. You can look all those up. You can look in the show notes. And what you're going to find is that each one of them has clinical data behind it. A lot of that's on the website. Go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash Dave. Use code Dave10. And just try this for a month and see <laughs> see the difference. It's pretty remarkable when you realize, oh, I can have some carbs. I just have to do it right. Have an awesome day. A human upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products.
Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.